Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason, Ben Mandel, John Pauline, kind of putting a bow on this regular season. It's all finished up. No more games to be played out of this 162. The league told the Marlins, you know, you don't got to finish that game that got called. We kind of know how it's all going to play out. It's not necessary. So a couple teams played 161. Everybody else 162. Playoff field is set. A couple teams had a pretty good season, especially much better than what they were expected to do. A couple other New York juggernauts kind of fell flat in their face. A couple manager changes, a couple guys let go, some retirements. Just a lot of stuff going on around the league that we got to kind of wrap up before we look to October and really the most exciting time of the year. But the first thing I really want to discuss, guys, former Philly manager and now former Giants manager, Gabe Kapler got the boot, but he got it before the season even ended. What do you guys make of that? Him getting cut, him getting fired before the season ended with like two days left. It's one of those things where a decision from up top got leaked. And once that happens and it becomes public that a manager is not going to be coming back. uh, Yeah. You know, they're not going to finish the season. You're not going to have him in the dugout, his attitude, you know, even if it wants to be positive, it's not going to be, it's just not something that works out now. Letting go of Gabe Kapler, John, as you know, was the best decision the Giants could make. <laughs> I couldn't believe the Giants hired Gabe Kapler in the first place, and I couldn't believe that the Giants had any kind of success with him, uh, especially that year where they pushed the Dodgers for the division. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. But the last two years have shown exactly what kind of manager Gabe Kapler is. And look, it's one of those things that sucks that it happens before the season ends. The only reason I could think it happened is because, uh, you know, a decision was leaked and they just had to run with it. I mean, I'm with you there, Ben. I mean, I was amazed that he had any kind of success in with San Francisco after the Phillies because he just – constantly mismanaged games and the pitching when he was with Philly and letting him go was like the best decision Philly ever made. And I'm surprised they let him go early, but I guess you said that it got leaked and stuff, but I also heard that the, like the day before he sent the guy down the triple a, and then after they let him go and fired him, they brought the guy right back up after he sent him down. (laughs) It's just an interesting move to let it leak out. I'm interested to see who they were going to get to replace him. There's kind of been a a stretch of managers being hired that have little to no managerial experience. You know, Marco Scudero, Aaron Boone, just to name a couple guys. I wonder if they're going to get an older Giants player that the fans kind of like. No, they said he will influence. He will influence the decision, but he is not going to be the manager. Maybe he will. Who knows? I mean, look, the Cubs hired David Ross. It's not out of the question. No, it's not. I don't think Buster Posey has an interest in managing, but they did say he will have a very heavy influence on the decision. To me, that just means they're going to make the wrong choice. Giants should just keep Buster Posey away from everything. Buster Posey (laughs) soft, ruined baseball. Also, not a Hall of Famer. But uh, before that's just a tirade for another day, especially when we do our Hall of Fame show in a couple months. But who who knows where the Giants are going to go? They're in an interesting spot because they don't have the talent to compete with the Dodgers. 
they don't have the talent to compete with the Padres, I think, if the Padres can get it right. The Padres, kind of like some other teams, had high expectations, and they kind of fell off. The best way to put the Padres season in perspective, they're the San Diego Chargers. You know, they had an amazing offense. They had an amazing defense, right? They had the least amount of errors in all of baseball. They had the lowest team ERA in baseball, the lowest starting pitcher ERA in baseball, and they barely didn't even sniff the playoffs. They got eliminated, you know, during the last week of the season. You know, great for them. So did the Yankees. But they didn't nearly have a chance. So well, they and really when, were. When you look at the National League playoff picture, it honestly just feels super weak. And if you put Weird. the beginning of the season you and you put the Padres and Mets – in for Miami and Arizona, that playoff picture looks a lot stronger just off of the way roster pictures are exactly name value, but it goes to show just how disappointing the season was for a New York Mets or the San Diego Padres because those teams, I mean, Arizona, I still don't think is deserving of a playoff spot. And to be honest with you, I don't think Miami is either. This is a year where the old playoff format of two wild card teams and a wild card matchup between Philadelphia and Miami would have in a one game playoff would have been perfect. So just we have a couple of retirements also, you know, some sad for the for the league, a couple of guys that really should get, you know, Hall of Fame consideration, a couple guys that are shoo-ins. Terry Francona, Cleveland manager, he's done. He's had some health issues the last couple of years. Tito, one of the all-time greats, he'll find himself in Cooperstown before long. Miguel Cabrera with the Tigers, another shoo-in for the Hall. Just all-time great, an amazing player. He's calling it quits. You know, he was with that Marlins team when they won the World Series back in 2003, 20 years ago, so... Just a long, illustrious career. Other guys calling it a day, possibly Zach Greinke, right? 40 years old in October, could have been his final start. He's somebody that should get some looks. He's been around forever. Also, Joey Votto. He's another guy that may or may not come back to play. Just a couple of guys, you know, it sucks, you know, to see guys that you grew up with and watched play kind of retire. Adam Wainwright is another name. Just the changing of the guard, it happens, and you're never ready for it when it does happen because these are all big names. And, again, I know we all grew up watching, you know, prime Miggy when he won the Triple Crown. Joey Votto, I mean, Wainwright was an ace. Just you see they fall off in their careers, and then they either do or possibly in the future will announce it sooner than later that, you know, it's over. But – with each generation, it happens, and you kind of move on, and the game kind of leaves them in the past, their history. Another firing, though, that I want to talk about, and this is going to kind of lead me into having you, Ben, kind of wrap up the Mets season. The Mets and Buck decided to part ways. Stearns wants his own guy to helm the team. Not sure it's the best move for them. Not sure it's the smartest move. But how do you feel about Buck being fired and – you know, about the Mets season in a whole, as, as a whole? Well, first things first, when you have a season like this after what Buck did in this first year, it's really hard to let go of him after just one bad season. But when you have this dramatic of a turnaround, 
you know you're not getting rid of that clubhouse. Those players are there. The guys who are under contract, they are there. Clearly, it didn't work for Buck this year, and something wasn't right. Things were not right. And it wasn't like Buck was spotless in year one. The Mets completely collapsed in September and lost the division, a division that they pretty much had locked up after a big series against Atlanta where I believe they took like four out of five games or something weird like that. So it's, again, one of those situations where Buck Showalter, yeah, while I think this may they may not be bringing in a better manager than Buck Showalter, it was more important to get a new face in the clubhouse. And I think, you know, if you're bringing in a guy like Stearns to run the organization now and try to point the Mets in a better direction, you're going to let him pick his guy. You didn't hire him and bring him in here to say Buck Showalter has to be the manager going into 2024. So look, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, it had to happen. Am I happy about it? I wouldn't say I'm happy or sad. I think it's it's one of those things where a change just needed to happen. Now, what about the season as a whole, though, with the disappointment? What do you think went wrong? Why did it why did it go the way it did? I mean, I think it's also a combination of, you know, you have the injury to Diaz, which was huge. Um, you know, who knows what would have happened if they kept the band together? You know, they the way the schedule broke, they had a chance to make up a lot of games against these teams. Maybe if Scherzer and Verlander were still in a Mets uniform with uh, Kodai Senga in the rotation, they would have made a very good top three. Uh, the way Joey Lucchese pitched at the end of the year, the way Jose Buto pitched at the end of the year. I mean, names that you just wouldn't have expected to show up. And down the stretch, they were guys who were getting a lot of innings because there weren't any space. So I think there's some promising things. Francisco Alvarez is the future behind the plate. I think that's a positive you can pull away from this season, but a big negative is I would say Brandon Nemo. Is he healthy? Is he going to be able to live up to this long contract that he just played year one of? Is that going to be a Jacoby Ellsbury type void? Six more years, right? The, I believe six or seven. I, I don't remember if it was seven or eight he signed for, but it is a long contract. Um, you have guys like Alonzo coming out, hitting a ton of home runs again. He was shy of 50, but he was close. And, you know, with the injury and the home run drought that he had for him to still hit the number he did was impressive. You need more out of Lindor. This is another guy who can't keep having an, a one year up, one year down. He needs to find consistency. He is a very expensive piece on the roster. And when you have a young shortstop like Ronnie Mauricio coming up through the system, another guy who played fairly well, I won't say he turned a bunch of heads, but he, he sh I like the power I'm seeing from him. So that that's another promising piece. Brett Beatty needs to show more, but I think that's another reason why Stearns wants a different guy there because the young guys like Vientos, like Beatty, they didn't necessarily do enough. Yeah, the home runs were there for Alvarez, but was the bat really what we wanted from Alvarez completely? Not really. We would like to see the average go up. We'd like to see the strikeouts cut down a bit more, like to see his defense behind the plate improve a bit. But, you know, there are a lot of steps the Mets need to take. I mean, hey, let's, let's go rumble ponies right now. Now that kind of leads me to Kind of closing out the Yankee season, 31 straight winning seasons, but that's really all the Yankees had to play for the last two weeks of the season was let's get over 500 and stay there. 
82 and 80, the worst season for the Yankees in my lifetime, which, you know, sounds, you know, like, yeah, you're complaining about 82 wins, you know, over 500, a winning record. Think of all the teams that, you know, have had losing records in that time. It's the second longest streak in MLB history of winning seasons behind the 1929 to 1962 Yankees. It's just it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. The Yankees already have announced they're asking, you know, Sean Casey to come back as hitting coach, which leads everybody to believe Boone is back, which those two in a nutshell, fine. I think you can survive with that. The players love Boone. They play hard for Boone. But it's Cashman that really has come out to be the issue. Now, a new GM would want his own manager, but I think that you can kind of get away with that, especially when Aaron Judge, you know, the guy you paid a lot of money to, you know, the captain, the face of the franchise, says that he wants Boone to be the manager. Of course, he's not going to come out and say that he wants Boone gone, but he also doesn't have to come out in full support unprompted about wanting Boone to come back and stay the manager. So what the Yankees do at general manager is going to be interesting. My guess is that Cashman stays. It has at least one more year to kind of get the ship right. Chances of that happening slim to none. Because you see what they have in the division. Baltimore, 101 wins, an amazing team. A lot of people thought that they started off, you know, a year early. They heard that this is supposed to be next year's Orioles. But, you know, they're here and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. The Rays are always going to be pesky. They just seem to you know, churn out top-level hitters at every position. The Blue Jays, they finally put their pitching staff together. I know in the beginning of the year when we were talking about the divisions, I said that the Blue Jays could be dangerous if they ever figured out their pitching. Kind of looks like they did. And that leaves the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, two of the top teams, you know, in the history, kind of wallowing in the bottom with nowhere else to go. It just, a lot of injuries derailed the Yankees, Judge almost hit 40 home runs, and he missed over 50 games. He has the record for most home runs hit while missing 50 or more games due to a, due to an injury. And the reason that there is that distinction of due to an injury, Mark McGuire had 39 home runs, and he missed 50 more or more games because of a strike-shortened season. So he didn't have a chance to hit more. But what Judge did, especially with a – basically a broken big toe, you know, a fractured toe or whatever the ligament damage is that we don't know about because they've been very coy about what's going on there. It's insanely impressive, especially the average still being north of 270, just playing really, really well injured. This is the year you want a judge to have. First year, the massive contract he got, the 10-year deal. He did everything that you needed from him. Garrett Cole's going to win the Cy Young. He ran away with it his first in his career. You had guys like Clark Schmidt and Michael King towards the end have great season as starting pitchers. But Carlos Rodon, one of your big free agent spender uh, signings, what did he do? Second worst season as a, of a Yankee pitcher ever behind Keigawa in 2009, I want to say. You know, you had Nestor Cortez missed a lot of time. You had Luis Severino. He didn't play well when he was there, and then he got hurt, and he's a free agent. He's gone. Then you got guys like Frankie Montas, who decided to come back for game 161, get the win, and now he's going to dip in free agency, which is kind of funny. Domingo Herman gets caught for sticky stuff, allowed to stay in the game, gets caught for sticky stuff again, 
suspended 10 days, throws a perfect game, and then goes off the rails in the locker room and gets just basically kicked off the team for the rest of the year back in June. Just a lot of things happened. And it's just, it's hard to put it into words how immensely disappointing it is. You brought up a lot of the young guys. Dominguez looked fantastic. He was turning heads, hitting home runs until he decided he needed Tommy John surgery. So he's going to be out till probably the all-star break next year. Because obviously for position players, it's not the 18-month, 12- to 18-month recovery that's a lot shorter. You know, Austin Wells looks like he could be the future at catcher. He's shown a lot. But the other rookies, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswaldo Peraza, and even Everson Pereira didn't show you much at all. Volpe had the full year. He's young. He's the second youngest out of that whole bunch. I expect him to have another, you know, building block year next year where he's just kind of getting to that level. His defense was more than acceptable. Offensively, he was streaky. Stolen bases, you know, they started off hot, but kind of tailed off. But a full offseason working with the major league staff and kind of getting his head, you know, wrapped around being the Yankee starting shortstop, I expect a good year out of him next year. But overall, it's just possibly the worst feeling of an 82-80 and 80 team. The Yankees are supposed to be in October. The Yankees are October, and they're just not there, and it just feels empty without them in October and playing, you know, with a chance to get the World Series. It just doesn't seem right. But you know what does seem right? The Phillies in October, right, John? Yeah. Tell me about, you know, how you kind of felt about their regular season and then then go into, you know, how you feel about their chances in the postseason and how you feel going into October. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, I thought the Phillies were going to have a better start to their regular season. I mean, they were coming off, you know, just being in the World Series, tough loss to the Astros. But you looked like they had a good spring. You had Trey Turner and Schwarber coming off fantastic performances in the World Baseball Classic and stuff. And you thought they were going to run the tables and you were hoping for, you know, them to finish top of the East. But they, just a rough start and the Braves were just, you know, just really, really good. I mean... It almost looked really – I was getting worried for a little bit there because it looked like they might just end up being, you know, the Phillies of old, you know, prior to last year and just start doing bad again. But, I mean, they were missing Harper and their pitching didn't look good. No one was hitting. But people were calling for firing Rob Thompson already. But, you know, they got Harper back and you thought they were still doing good. But they Harper just wasn't himself. He was hitting for average, hitting 300, but he didn't have the power. And he didn't get his power back, you know, like luckily got his power back. He didn't get it back till around September. So, I mean, it helps and stuff, but they had had a lot of guys step up during their regular season to help them carry them. Like Nick Castellanos had a fantastic season for the Phillies. He probably had the season that I think a lot of like the Phillies were expecting to have last year. He had this year, which was very, which was very needed for them, you know, to stay in the, you know, running there to make, get the wild card spot. And then we had Bryson Stott step up here in his second year second year up and he's going to be something special. I think, you know, he's, I think he's just getting started, but I mean, I think, you know, they had a good regular season, not the regular season I was hoping for, but I mean, they still finished with 90 wins. They got the top wild card spot, but I, but you know, I would like them to, you know, win the East because I think last year what did them in in the play what in the playoffs was that extra series. They had the plagues. I think by the time they got to the world series, was I think their pitchers were kind of gassed. I think Nola was kind of gassed at the end. I think Luther was kind of gassed at the end. And it's just, you know, I think everyone was just tired towards the end there. 
And this year, I mean, it's not looking I'm, – I'm, I'm not too confident going in the playoffs here because, I mean, even though they have the home field advantage for the wild card series, they're playing the Marlins. And I don't know what it is with the Marlins, but it, it always seems the Marlins always have the Phillies number and they just can't seem to win against them. I mean, more so especially when they're playing at, you know, in Miami. But, I mean, it's at home, home field advantage. So, hopefully they can get it through, get it through and get the win there and move on. But I'm I'm worried about that extra series if it's going to, if it's going to tire them out, if they're going to be too tired, if they get, you know, deep in the playoffs again, get deep in the World Series again. Because, I mean, pitching looks a little mm-hmm. different now. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they can hit, but I'm worried about their pitching. How do you think I, the season would have been different if Reese Hoskins didn't get hurt? You know, looking into it, I'm not I'm not sure because like he, he I mean, I was I was had him having a, a rebound year, having him doing really good, but I, I think that hurt. I think that put a put a wrench in their plans to start off with because it's like because you were hoping that because I guess like because you, you had you were missing Harper for about like three months until he came back and then he didn't start playing first base right away. He was DH and stuff, and they didn't really have a first baseman and stuff and they were trying Derek call up to come up and then he got hurt so eventually he made the move with Boehm the first and then put Sosa at third but I I, I think that hurt I think they might have been a better I think they might have had a better start than the season with Hoskins in I'm not sure if that would have been the push they needed to to win the east because the Braves were just like that good and frankly the Phillies pitching was just very atrocious at the start of the season like, because Wheeler and Nola were just not pitching good. I'm assuming I'm, I'm assuming it had to do something with the pitch clock until they got used to it and with the you know their uh, pace of pitching and stuff. Because I think that threw the rhythm off a little bit. And I think you know as the season gone on, I think they got more comfortable with it, and they started go. But they they but Wheeler and Nola, I think they haven't been uh, what I expected them to be this season. So I'm not sure if having Hoskins would have made that much of a difference. I mean. Maybe they would have locked up the wild card spot a little earlier, but I don't know if it would have won them the East. So let's go into, you know, our studs and duds. Before we, you know, kind of preview the playoff matchups, our studs and duds for the final week of the season. For me, my stud, Justin Verlander. 13 innings pitched, 2-0 record, 13 strikeouts on the playoff-bound Houston Astros. A big week where they needed them him to step up, you know, playing Seattle, you know, it could they could have been easily just out of the playoffs, but they did it. They won, and Verlander was a big part of that. But my dud, Red Sox starting pitcher, and I believe future Red Sox ace, because I love the talent of this guy, Brian Bayo, six innings pitch, nine hits, not one over one, only three strikeouts. Just a really rough time for this guy. His last two weeks have been pretty horrendous. But I expect to bounce back. This was, again, his rookie year. He's somebody that I would look at in the future and really uh, kind of keep tabs on. What about you guys? Who's your stud and who's your dud? My stud is uh, – my stud as well is an Atlanta Brave. But my stud is Marcelo Zuna. Really has picked it up as the season has gone on uh, this week. He went 8 for 24, including 6 extra base hits and two walks, two home runs, six RBIs. Ozuna's been strong for a Braves team, and he's hitting comfortably in a lineup that is loaded around him. So, hey, hats off to Marcel Ozuna this week. Now, my dud is Bryce Elder, one of the pitchers for Atlanta, one of the guys that everyone thought was a shoe in for rookie of the year. And, hey, who knows? He might still get it. Last two starts have been brutal, basically identical. 
He allowed, he only went three and two third innings in both of them. The one this week against the Cubs, he allowed seven hits, five earned runs, four walks, just two strikeouts, a tough outing for him after going just three and two thirds. The last time out against the Phillies, five walks, four earned runs, three hits, couple of tough outings for Bryce Elder. We'll see if he could bounce back come playoff time because you know the Braves are going to need him, especially in that first uh, round series and if they make it to the LCS when it's a seven game. My stud this week is Freddie Freeman. He was doing really, really good really early in the year, and then he kind of cooled off a little bit, but he's back to being hot again. He has eight hits, three home runs, six RBIs, one stolen base, two walks this past week. So he's getting hot again, you know, right when the Dodgers need him to. So hopefully you can carry that into the playoffs and get the Dodgers some more wins. And then my dud this week is someone who was my stud last week, Hunter Green. He he, he had two starts this week. He went, only went eight innings through two starts, 17 hits, gave up 11 earned runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, and a loss. He's just, he seems to be up and down. It's either a hitter. It's like all or nothing with him. It's either he's really, really, really good or he's really, really, really bad. Now let's kind of go through – you know, we're going to combine our weekly series highlight that we do every week because there's no more regular season games. They're all playoff games. So we're going to combine that with kind of looking at the playoff format, who's playing who, who do they have next, the winners of each wild card series, and maybe make a couple of predictions. But, you know, Ben, we're going to start with you. What's that one matchup you want to look out for? So the one matchup I want to look out for here in this first round, the wild card round, it's Tampa Bay and Texas. And it's mostly because Texas is a team that I wrote off and basically pronounced dead heading into September. They were able to turn it around. And thank God you run this show and I don't, Corey, because it would have been multiple weeks of bashing Texas only for them to make it into the playoffs over the Seattle Mariners. So Hey, hats off to Texas for getting in. They have a one-two punch up top, hopefully, um, that can give them a little bit of a push over Tampa Bay, especially with Glasnow's recent struggles for the Rays. The Rays are a team that, while they have still been able to win games, have not felt as dangerous since the whole Wander Franco thing came out and he hasn't been playing. We'll see if that's something that can derail Tampa Bay's season. I very well can see them having a first round wild card exit for the second year in a row, despite this matchup being at home. Now let's get a couple predictions going for this matchup. This is a four or five matchup Rays being four Rangers being five winner that will play the one seed Orioles. Ben, who do you have winning this one? I think it's going to be Texas. I think Texas is going to surprise people. They're going to go on the road. I think Max Scherzer is going to bounce back after his atrocious start in the postseason last year against the Padres. I think that Tampa Bay, their bats are going to go cold. I think that Texas's offense, their bats can't go cold. They have too many of them. And I think Texas is going to be the team that pulls this one out. And it will be the Rangers heading to Baltimore for that uh, LDS series in the American League. I think it's going to be the Rays. I just think that the Rays have been there. Ben, you've told me time and time again, you know, this is more related to hockey, but in order to win in the postseason, you kind of need to go through losing and experience it first, right? You've told me that a bunch when it comes to hockey, and it does kind of apply to baseball. The Rays, they're seasoned veterans of the postseason. These guys have been there. They've done that. It was only a couple of years ago that the Rays were in the World Series against the Dodgers. So I think the Rangers... Big surprising year. 
I think this is going to be a humbling experience for them. They haven't been world beaters. They've really struggled, and I do feel that they've lucked their way into the playoffs with how they've played. I think they're just going to hit a bigger and better team in the Rays, a team that knows how to play in October. Now, I I want to say, Corey, because I feel like experience for players is much more important than hockey, but experience is much more important for managers in baseball. Yes. Because they're the, the ones Rangers pulling the strings. Rangers do have an insane exactly. Exactly. Kevin Cash is a good manager. Kevin Cash is a good manager. He does not have a good postseason track record. No, he doesn't. But, you know, this is also Bochy's first year with the team, and he wasn't able to have them to keep it together down the stretch. They've struggled. No, but he was able to pull them back in because this is the team that dropped out, and he brought them back in. I would put my money over on Bochy. Exactly. I'd put my money on Bochy, though, over Kevin Cash. I'm just going to go with my money on the younger – you know, more recently experienced manager because Bochi hasn't done it in a few years. You know, his final tenure with the Giants was a little iffy. But, John, what do you make of this matchup, and what series do you want to highlight? Well, I'm going to go with the Rays like you are. I mean, I think the Rangers are good, but I think the Rays have a better team. I think, you know, I think they ultimately going to win it. I think the Rangers are maybe a, a year left. I don't think they – we're necessarily ready for the playoffs this year. I think, like you said, they kind of lucked their way into this playoff thing here. And I don't, I just think Rays have better players. I mean, you think come back to this matchup next year, I think maybe the Rangers can beat the Rays next year, but this year I'm going to have to go with the Rays. Then a, a matchup I'm looking for, forward to should be no surprise is the Phillies versus the Marlins. So that, that's what I'm really looking forward to. I kind of talked about it a little earlier and I'm hoping the, you know, this, it seems like the Marlins always beat the Phillies. But, I mean, you got the home field advantage, and it's a different place than Philly in the playoffs. So, hopefully that can carry them to the win there. Winner of this series will play the one seed Atlanta, Philly the four seed, the Marlins the five seed. What are uh, some predictions for this one? I'm going Miami. I do think that they've been the better team going into the playoffs. I think it would they would be the most fun team to to go on because I think that they really could give the Braves, you know, a run because what are the Marlins? Nobody knows what they are. And I think that storyline, especially with Kim Ung, you know, being a free agent as the general manager, I think it's a really fun thing to look at. Yeah, You know, here's the thing. And John, you said it, the Marlins have the Phillies number. And I was talking to one of my old coworkers in the radio station who's a huge Phillies fan. And I mean, even when they play the Marlins in the regular season, he hates it because it's, they just get after him. And, Look, I think the Phillies have the better lineup. I think the Marlins can still hit. And I think the Marlins, they, I don't know why I keep going back to the 2020 postseason. Who did the Cubs play and get swept by in that mini first round three game series? The Marlins. I can see the Marlins coming out here and taking this from the Phillies before getting swept by the Braves in the LDS. I think the Marlins are going to be the one to pull this out. Although I think Philly is the better team. I think the Marlins, I don't know what it is. Something in my gut is telling me that they're going to pull this out. Now the series I want to highlight Arizona, Milwaukee, that's a three, six series, Arizona being the six, Milwaukee being the three, they won their division. Winner of that series will play the two seed Dodgers. I think Arizona is going to win that one. Arizona is so much fun to watch playoff Corbin Carroll. The Brewers haven't been able to really ever get it done in October. The Brewers' rotation is great. The Diamondbacks started off hot. 
and kind of fallen off. But October breeds different monsters. I think the Diamondbacks winning would be amazing. I think they could also give the Dodgers a run. I think they stack up well. Their offense, their speed, their defense. It's just so much fun. It's they're a different team compared to every other team in the postseason postseason because they play so different. They play young, fast, and loose. And I really think that's going to be something fun to watch. I'm picking Arizona. Who are you guys picking in that matchup? It's not like the Brewers don't have young guys. And I'm going to say right now in a three-game series, I am taking the pitching. I am taking the pitching. I'm taking the pitching. And, yeah, Zach Allen's great. Who do the Diamondbacks have behind him that can line up with who the Brewers have? The Brewers have a great rotation. The Brewers have been the much better team in the second half of the season. Really, since the All-Star break, the Brewers have kicked it into gear and pushed the Cubs and the Reds into the rearview mirror. Look, the Brewers, I think – have been the better team as of late while you said the Diamondbacks started out hot. Well, the Brewers had to get hot to put themselves in this position and make it into the playoffs. So good for them to get in and get there. I'm not exactly sure how far the Brewers can go, but I definitely don't think the Diamondbacks are a team deserving of a playoff spot. So that right off the bat, I think the Brewers are Brewers are a team that's going to win. John. I think I'm going to have to go with the Brewers as much as I would like to see Arizona win and go further in the playoffs. Cause I mean, I don't think anyone expected Arizona to be in the playoffs this year. I think everyone thought they were like maybe a year or two away from being as good as they were this year. But I mean, I have to go with Ben. It's like the pitching, they have a bet. They have better pitching than Arizona. Simple as that. And when it comes to playoffs, it's you live and die by the pitching and outside of Zach Allen, Arizona doesn't really have anybody. So I, I have to go with I have to go with the Brewers. I go Milwaukee, but I would like to see Arizona win. But I'm going to have to go with Milwaukee. You guys are no fun. <laughs> but uh, the other matchup that we didn't mention: Toronto, Minnesota. Toronto is the five. My bad. The six. Minnesota is the three. I have a feeling we all have the same thoughts on this. Nobody respects Minnesota. Minnesota hasn't earned respect. They don't deserve our respect in the postseason. Minnesota just took advantage of a bad division. You know, four months ago, I would have said the same thing about the Brewers, but the Cubs made a push. The Pirates were making a push. The Reds were making a push. The NL Central turned out to be a very solid competitive division with a lot, with a very bright future. The AL Central was, you know, just bad. Bad. Someone had to win it, kind of thing. Somebody had to win it. For most of the season, the the Twins would have been last place in the AL East. Just bad baseball. The Twins. You know, I saw a lot going online. You know, Carlos Correa signed with the Giants. Giants missed the playoffs because they let him go. Carlos Correa went then to go sign with the Mets. Backed out of that deal. The Mets didn't make the playoffs. He did end up signing with. The Twins and the Twins make the playoff. It's the Carlos Correa effect. I don't believe it. Correa did not have a great year. It no, is, he was horrible this year. He did not have the year you would have expected out of him. He's kind of, I don't want to say he fell off, but, you know, you reap what you sow with other things you've done. So no love lost there. I think Toronto's going to win this one pretty easily. Yeah, I, I don't think Minnesota has a shot. I think... Toronto's pitching is like you were saying, Corey, they figured it out. I think, you know, even though Manoa is garbage, 
they have a bunch of other guys who can fill in. I think Barrios had a very, very nice bounce back here. I think, you know, Gossman is a true number one. They have guys who can go out there and win. Minnesota doesn't. Kenta Maeda, uh, Joe Ryan, you know, I, I don't Sonny love Gray? it. Exactly, exactly. The guy, Sonny Gray, who as soon as there's the slightest bit of pressure, folks. Rumbles. So look, it's there's there's not much to fear with Minnesota. Toronto, on the other hand, they're a dangerous team. And I think they're a team that could potentially go all the way. Do I think they will? No, but they definitely have a shot in the talent and the roster to do it. Now, no explanation. Say the two teams, the favorite you think has the best chance to win and the wild card. Now, not wild card isn't there a wild card team, but just a team most people don't expect to play well. In the postseason, somebody you can really think could take down one of these juggernauts. Not one from each of them, just one total. A favorite you think could win it all, and a team that's kind of underrated that could win it all. Ben, you go. My favorite's Houston. I think Houston bringing back Verlander was big. I know you don't want to hear it. Houston's my favorite. My wild card, my underdog, I'm going Milwaukee. I think that they're a team, if they can hit, they'll get it going. John, go quick. Well, I'm going Phillies. I have to stick with the Phillies. I think they're. Are they your favorite or are they your underdog? They're my favorite. They're my favorite. Those are my favorite. My underdog. I'm gonna. I'm going with the Marlins. On honestly, that's the underdog. (laughs) So the winner of that series goes, huh? Yeah, that's it. Winner (laughs) of that series goes. (laughs) My favorite, Houston. I think they're Houston. They they have more experience than anybody. My underdog is Miami. I think Miami just. There's so much fun. I think they nobody knows what they are. I said it before. I'll say it again. Okay, they could very easily lose to the Phillies, but nobody knows what they are, what they bring to the table. I think the Marlins could be a team that could shock the world. But that'll do it here for the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. We'll talk some more playoffs next week. Start looking at the offseason and what else is going on. Check out our Twitter, Outsider Sports 3, OutsiderSports.net, the online. And check us out for our rankings, hockey, football, everything going on. Signing off here for the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast.